Hi, this is Bruce Boxleitner, and you're listening to Then Is Now podcast. Hey folks, Rigor here. So what we're presenting to you today is the last of the episodes that we unfortunately fell behind on towards the end of last year. So I apologize to our guest and his fans for the ridiculous delay. If you're a fan of or are curious about tabletop role-playing games like Dungeons & Dragons, among many others, then this is the episode for you. So get ready for a fun discussion. Rise and shine, my sinners. When Father Evil starts his day, he gets a little deadly. Deadly Grounds Coffee has the richest, smoothest flavor you'll find anywhere. It's sinfully delicious. Once you go deadly, you never go back. Order yours at getdeadly.com. Coffee's so good, it's scary. What kind of a sick school is this? Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. You're going to need a bigger boat. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. You got spunk. I hate spunk. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Oh, righty. How you doing? Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Stand off of my little friend! I love to celebrate from in the morning. What are you people? On dope? Stop whining. I got a crap on deck that can choke a donkey. Who is your daddy? I'm sorry, but all questions must be submitted in writing. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Can I do that? I'll be back. A Daniel man! Up your nose when you have the hole. What? I'm sailing! I'm sailing! Groovy. You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it. Pull it down. Love means never having to say you're sorry. Here's looking at you, kid. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off! Go to the coast. We get together. Have a few laughs. Hear that, Elizabeth? <laughs> I'm coming to join you, honey. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. I love it when a plan comes together. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to 11. 11, exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. We're on a mission from God. Hello and welcome to Then Is Now Podcast, the show in which we discuss pop culture of the past and help you, the listener, introduce younger folk to all the cool stuff they missed out on. I am your host, Rigor, and joining me tonight is Spency. Long time no talk, eh, Spence? Yeah, it's been a little bit, but I'm back. Awesome, awesome. How's college treating you? Uh, as good as you expect. It has its, <laughs> has its fun moments, has its rough moments, but all in all, so far, so good. Too funny. Well, that's good. That's good. So, folks, we've got another great pop culture topic for you today. Uh, Role-playing games, in particular, Dungeons & Dragons. Now, in episode 33, Spencey and I did a crossover with another podcast from England called Lions of Legend. And those guys are playing a long campaign and record each session, turning it into a podcast. 
Now, for those who don't know or have a preconceived notion, a role-playing game, or RPG for short, is a tabletop game in which each player has a character sheet with numbers on them for each of their statistics, such as strength, dexterity, etc., or even for weapons and skills. Success in most anything is determined by a roll of various sized dice, yes, beyond the six-sided dice that you might be used to, and based on the character's corresponding numbers. Now, one person in the group is designated, is designated the Game Master, and he comes up with the adventure and the story that the players are going to embark on and ensures that everything flows nicely. It's not a board game, and it's not what's called LARPing, which is live-action role-playing. Spence, do you want to add anything to that? Uh, you covered the basics of what a, what an RPG looks like. Um, specifically with Dungeons & Dragons, it uses a 20-sided die as the predominant way to uh, decide things. Uh, and obviously Dungeons & Dragons, uh, the content of the game is very much fantasy, closer to Tolkien. <clears throat> uh, for our more specific topics, uh, Dungeons & Dragons, at least the version I play, it has multiple formats. Uh, predominantly uses uh, the uh, 20-sided die to determine most successes and failures uh, and then a variety of other dice for more intricate things um, and uh, there's also a big factor is that the Dungeon Master also has access to uh, a large line of products and, and pre-made adventures so it's not this intimidating thing where you have to come up with every detail there are plenty of options for other Dungeon Masters out there to to work with um so overall an rpg is most characterized by its uh role play and the availability of these characters that uh, people grow emotionally attached to i myself am emotionally attached to these fictional characters that are simply pieces of paper that i give voices to <laughs> oh I, I i totally understand i totally relate <laughs> All right, folks, on today's show, we have got a guest who creates YouTube videos based on his D&D campaigns, and we're going to talk to him all about it. So if you don't know anything about role-playing games or Dungeons & Dragons, or you're a seasoned gamer, you're going to love this episode. Class is in session. I have a bad feeling about this. How could I possibly be expected to handle school on a day like this? Hey, you in my class? I am today. I think you should consider transferring to shock class. Woo -woo! Now, now, very few students are severely injured in shock class. Bueller. When you were in school. Bueller. Did you ever cut class? Bueller. Yeah, I guess I did. Sure, most kids cut classes. Good, sign this. Um, he's sick. I get so lonely when I hear that third attendance bell ring and all my kids are not here. Seven years of college down the drain. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You lack discipline. As long as I'm here, there will be no grades or gold stars or demerits. We're gonna have recess all the time. Woo! Go! Play and have fun now! Okay, folks, our guest today is David Fitzgerald, and he has a YouTube series called the Imper Adventure D&D Campaign, and he's going to explain what that's all about. Welcome to the show, David. Hey, it's great to be here. Awesome, awesome. Glad to have you. So, David, to get started, uh, why don't you give the listeners a little bit of background in your um, experience in playing role-playing games? Um, I started in 76, 77. Um, we, we really didn't know what it was. Nobody had ever seen anything like this before. We were all like miniatures gamers and uh, board gamers. Uh, but this was different. You didn't have to build an army. You, you didn't, you know, you had just a couple characters. And 
you got to play the character as opposed to an entire, you know, army division. And so that was different. It was, it was different. And there were no rules. Nobody really, I mean, there were rules, but they weren't very well flushed out. So you kind of made a lot of your own rules. Nice, nice. And so was, was D&D the only game you played or did you play other ones? I've played, I've played a really good share going back. If you go back to 1997, I've probably played almost everything before 1997. Um, after that, uh, you know, you, 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 things slow down, you got family, you got kids and I don't, I don't need 50,000 role-playing games. So I'm down to just a few, but I played a good number of them. Um, uh, GURPS, the Arduin system, the original AD&D or the original D&D system, uh, third edition, fourth edition. Well, I tried to play fourth edition. I wasn't very good at it. And uh, currently, we we exist in uh, fifth edition of uh, D&D. Nice, nice. Spence and I are also seasoned role players. Uh, Spence, why don't you give us a little bit of your RPG background? Uh, well, I'm a bit more limited in the amount of experience I've been able to have. Um, but I probably my first role playing game. Oh, I don't know if I was maybe 10 or 11, maybe a little younger. Uh, it was the DC superheroes game. Oh, that's uh, right. That, okay. Uh, Pop, you got me into that actually. Yeah. Um, you were my, the DM and I was the only player and I was just a little kid having fun in a, in a DC comics related world. Mm -hmm. Um, but later on, um, it really wasn't until my it wasn't until my mid-teens when um, I was actually uh, participating in a custom uh, World of Darkness campaign um, that was okay. run by okay. a friend of Rogers. And uh, more than that, now in my in my late teens and up to now, I've been playing predominantly uh, fifth edition D and D. And uh, Pathfinder 2nd Edition is really my latest and greatest obsession. Uh, I do dabble in some Vampire the Masquerade stuff that has recently come out, as well as 7th okay. um, Edition Call of Cthulhu, but I don't run those games. I'm more seasoned in Pathfinder and D&D. &D. Nice. Okay. Nice. Yeah, and, um, you know, David and I spoke off mic uh, a while ago, and I was explaining to him that, you know, I also started probably in the early 80s, and um, I played a little D&D &D here and there. And in fact, I actually have the, I bought the box set of the basic D&D &D when that came out and then the advanced Dungeons and Dragons when that came out. I still have those. Uh, I probably don't uh -huh. have the boxes, but I still have the books and the dice that came with them. Um, and then, you know, I played all kinds of games. I, I had a friend whose brother, his older brother, took the game. It's a science fiction game called Traveler and he modified that and he called right. it the space game. And that was really okay. fun. And just so many different games over the years. Of course, DC Heroes. We tried the Marvel game, and the Marvel Superheroes game at the time in the 80s really was not good. Um, uh, just so many. I've played a lot of RuneQuest with some college friends uh, for quite a few years. And uh, basically, the big one was Call of Cthulhu, which we started. Right. I started game, uh, game mastering that probably in like 1985, 86, somewhere around there. And I have a campaign that's st that still continued to this day. In fact, Spencer, you're part of it. Wow. Um, in the same world that we've built and uh, interacting with characters that used to be players and now they're NPCs mm -hmm. because their players have oh, cool. you know, moved on in life and stuff. Um, so, yeah, so role-playing games are super fun. And I just love when people, like when I was a kid and we'd be up till, you know, two or three in the morning sitting at the kitchen table and I have my friends over and we're playing a role-playing game 
And like my mother would walk out to go to the bathroom or something and she'd go, oh, who's winning? And we just would laugh. Yeah. We're like, no, ma, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> not that kind of game. It's not a board game where you have a goal at the end. It's a story that the game master creates and you either have to solve mysteries or solve puzzles and, you know, fight bad guys, fight monsters. And it's, it's, it's as if you're acting without the cameras and a script. It's sort of like, it's almost like right. improv right. acting. So um, why don't you tell us, David, then, about your uh, your YouTube video and, you know, how that all got started. So um, I've been, you know, as I said, I've been running since 1977, 76, somewhere in that area. And I, I noticed in, like, the 80s, somebody said to me, do you remember what happened to that adventure, you know, in the 70s? And I'm like, no, you know, actually, I, I don't remember that. And I realized that I was, I was losing these adventures. I was losing these adventures that characters had gone on. And so in 2000, I started keeping notes on every adventure. Nice. And I, I, and so I've got like somewhere in the neighborhood of like 200, 300 of these, of these little sub, sub metal, sub piece, sub pieces of the adventure. So a little capsule for each adventure or should say each game night. And I really didn't have anything to do with them for each, for years. They kind of sat around and I'd look at, I would post them occasionally to some places and say, Hey, you know, this is what we were doing. What do you think of the idea? And uh, then I started seeing on YouTube things like critical role. And I I like critical role, um, but I don't have a bunch of friends who are voice actors. Right. You know, um, so I'm not going to put my world into the into something like that because I just don't have the ability. And I'm like, well, you still, you know, I got these old episodes, and they're pretty detailed, and I can't find the players anymore. I don't. Some of them I just don't know where they went to. The players. Yeah. So I decided what I would what I would do is I would sort of capsulate them, narrate them more like a story. Right. So you don't hear the players, you hear the general, you know, overview of what happened in that particular scene. And I'm, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of following my player's lead from two, from the year 2000. Okay. Um, I, I occasionally, occasionally I'll go in and, and kind of fix it. Uh, you know how sometimes D and D parties kind of get lost. Um, sometimes, you know, the party will leave town, they'll go like 30 miles away and they'll say, Oh my goodness, we didn't buy a cage. <laughs> so they go, they, they, they go back to the town and then they leave the town again. They get 30 miles out and they said, Oh, wait a sec. We didn't get any dragon attractant. And, and, you know, half the adventure is the, is the players constantly going back to town. Oh, that's funny. And as much as, as much as that's what's happened. Um, I don't need to, to uh, inflict the um, I don't need to inflict that on my listeners. So they just leave town once. They don't have to leave town three times. Right, right. <laughs> and in in some cases, um, I I'm I move my stories in in arcs. Now we never go where I think we're going to go. Yeah. Okay. I kind of I kind of aim for this, but and provide things for that but i know i'm not going to get there because players will have their own idea of where they're going right so i prepare i prepare arcs and and also because um 
in, in, you know, in those days we didn't have the internet. So you, you had people leaving, you know, people would say one day, well, um, I'm moving to North Dakota <laughs> and you're like, you're like, okay, well, thank you. I'm going to, you know, and they say, well, go ahead and use my character, but I'm moving to North Dakota. And I'm like, okay, have a good time. And, and so their character leaves the game. So there has to be a good reason for that. Rather than just say, you know, Phineas Fingers drops off the, off the world and you never see him again. I like to give them an exit. I like to park characters. Yeah. I like, I like to have an end. And so the cool thing is, I've been playing so long. In some cases, those people have come back. Oh, that's cool. And in the current, in the current game, we're still playing um, twice a month. Uh, in the current game, because we're on, we're on Roll D20, almost all of my players played in other eras. Oh, wow. So I, so I have one character who, last time he played, it was the 80s. So the character he's playing now is the granddaughter of his character from the 80s. Oh, that's awesome. And we've actually got a couple characters, you know, that have come back. One of them is a, is a paladin. And we have another paladin already in the party. And I, I describe the person and the other and the other person says, oh, I'm paladin so-and-so. And the other player goes, oh, crap, I've heard all about you. <laughs> Most of it lies. Oh, jeez. <laughs> But, but, you know, it's like, oh, my God, I've, I've, I've heard all about you. Or, oh, my God, I've heard all the horrible things you did. <laughs> and, and, and then the character says, well, you know, it, it's all, it was all taken out of context. Let me tell you what really happened. And, and so this is what I really like about, about what, what we've got now is we've got player characters that have come back um, and they bring the either the original character or they bring a son or a daughter, granddaughter, and it's it's kind of cool. That's I think what things really cool. So um, I decided to put these things on YouTube. I didn't want to do a voice without a picture. Yeah. And so I went out and spent a long time going through um, clip art, free clip art. Um, I com I commissioned a couple pictures from a good friend of mine. Um, Chris Hazelton, who does a comic strip. And um, I commissioned some characters from him because he knew the characters, so he kind of drew them up. And so for the first, I think, I want to say, say 19 episodes, you get clip art pictures to kind of give you an idea of what's going on. It's not just me talking. It's, you know, you see a picture. When you see Faramir come up, there's a picture of Faramir, you know, that kind of stuff. And then... Um, Later in the series, as I got to like episode like 19, uh, I found a 3D uh, character program called Daz, D-A-Z. And so I, I spent a lot of money to bring the characters. And so now they look nicer. So if you, if you look at the early editions, you're seeing, you know, clip art, and I'm just doing the best I can. Um, if you're looking at the later episodes, you know, you're seeing 3D rendered characters, and I'm getting really, really close to, okay, you know, this character needs a necklace. Okay, well, here, I got the necklace. Nice. So, uh, that's, what, so that's, what, that's what I do. Each episode, I, I try to go on the peanut theory. Uh, each episode's about seven minutes long. The idea being, it's long enough for you to devote the seven minutes, but it's not asking you to sit down for 30 minutes. Right. And, 
And the idea, the idea being you listen to it and say, oh, that was, I like that. And it had a hook on the ending. I want to know how that happened. What can I, you know, what, what happened next? And they go to the next one. That's, that's what I'm, I'm going for is this sort of, you know, oh, it's, I, I, I can listen to, I'm on the way to work. I can listen to three of these. That's 18 minutes. Okay. I can do that. Yeah. And how long does it take to make one episode? Um, well, I'm, I first have to transcribe from my initial, um, my, my initial material. And so what was like one adventure or not one adventure, what was like one night of gaming, uh, could be somewhere in the neighborhood of about seven or eight pages. Wow. And nobody wants to sit and listen to me talk for, you know, for hours. So what I do is I try to take a page and a half of each one. So if it's, if it's, if it's episode, you know, 127 and it's three pages long, that's going to take, that's going to make two episodes. Right. That's going to make two episodes. Uh, I also put pictures of the characters in the very front of it, just so people kind of know the players. Okay. And, and then as characters leave, I, I take them off the front. So, you, you know, you, when a character leaves, they come off the front. Okay. New character comes in. So usually the, usually the adventures were run with five or six people. Uh, some of them, I think, that we went up to eight. And a couple of them, we went down to like four. Hmm. So we got one piece of music when we just make sure that all the characters fit in there. Um, I've always started my game off with when last we left our intrepid adventurers. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I've always always started off with that, and so that's that's what I start these things off. And they take so so the transcription usually takes about a couple hours just to make sure. I also have to balance it so that it has sort of a beginning, middle, and end, even though it really doesn't. And I try to find a hook at it. So at the end of the page and a half, you know, he looks into the box and sees, and then I go to I go to credit. Um, so there's a little bit of juggling to, to sort of get the, the one page, one and a half pages of the five pages to, to, to balance. So that it sounds like something interesting. Um, that takes about a night, usually about two or three hours. And then, um, I, I record it that, that only takes about 30, 30, 45 minutes. Uh, I go through and I usually do a sound cleanup to take out all my, uh, mm, uh, mm, gosh, darn it. Um, that kind of stuff out. Right. And the hardest, the hardest part actually is putting the, uh, the 3d characters in. I would it, 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 it gets easier now because, um, I have files for each character. So, Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be a priestess more game. We're going to need her in this episode. So I've got a folder of like, you know, priestess more game standing up, priestess more game sitting down, priestess more game, you know, throwing a spell, and so, so I can usually pull one of those together in about four hours. Wow. That's not bad. So, so it's not, it's not bad. And sometimes it's harder. Sometimes it's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta recreate, you know, um, if I have any off time, I try to re I try to create things that I can use later on. Like, oh, I'm going to need a ship in about five episodes. I'm going to need a ship. So I better start working on that ship now so that, when I get to that episode, I, I don't spend 15 hours building a ship. Oh, we've already got a ship here. Nice. Uh, I try to I I try to keep consistent. Um, same same clothes on the characters so people can identify with them. 
Um, I try to this when I in in setting up my D and D world and setting up the way I run, I try my best to be consistent. If you're playing on my world and you go to a bar and the barkeep is named uh, Bajorn, the next time you come back, you're going to meet Bajorn again. Nice. Unless he sold the bar. Right. Or, and, and, and you know, because, because I want you to feel like you're in a, a living world. Yeah. Um, things don't, things don't function the way that, that kind of bothers me in some fantasy where somebody has an idea and it just works out super well. It's some off the wall idea, not from the player characters, but for the, for the GM. And it just works really well. But people, wor- worlds aren't like that. Worlds are messy. Yeah. Um, real quick example. So my world, there's a town called Prue. And Prue is, where all the, is, is known as the city of thieves. Everything there is for sale. And you have to pay money just to, to pay the walking down the street tax. <laughs> and, and, and you will be paid. You will be taxed. And when you get to that bridge, you know damn well you're going to pay a tax to go on it. And attacks to come off of it. Wow! So, so the town, the town is just incredibly corrupt. They don't pay their city guardsmen. The city guardsmen are expected to get bribes. They're expected to be working for bribes. So they have this idea that they were given. They were given seven princes for this town. There were seven princes, seven royalty that were given by this other place that said, "Okay, you can have seven royalty." Well, you know, interestingly enough, in the prince in the town of Pru, in the town of in the town of Thebes, interestingly enough, they have found patents of nobility for two additional princes. Can you believe they just happened to have found that? Hmm. Wow, that's of course not. It's a <laughs> it's a lie. It's yeah. the city of Thebes. They they just made it up. Right. I can absolutely yeah, yeah. identify with a ton of the things you you mentioned where, you know, players go off the walls uh, trying to keep your world consistent. I, I myself have a world like that. And I have a an online document where I keep it's mm-hmm. my what has gone before document. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. And, and, and now, now, if the players come up with some way to, to dent the world, to actually attack, do something to it that's memorable, then that's great. That's that. I'm all for that. Um, real quick example. I have this god on my world who basically walks around in a suit of armor, <laughs> and he he he. It's the ugliest, nastiest armor you've ever seen in your life. And he walks around in this armor, and he's just rude to people. He's just rude, right? <laughs> and nobody nobody has ever asked him. Can I see what you look like? Because he's got the 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 front of the the front of the um the mask of the armor down. Nobody has ever asked him, can I see, can I see what your face is? And this one character actually said, Hey, can I see your face? And I'm like, Oh crap. No one's ever asked for this. No one's ever asked. And I'm like, Oh, and he's, he's like, yes, because he can't show you his face unless you ask for it. And he, he pulls up his, he pulls up his thing so she can see his face. And it's a saving throw you have to make. The number has to be a natural twenty, or you're turned into a pile of dust. That's awesome. Oh no! <laughs> and so he he pulls up the thing and says, "This is what I look like." He rolls it. She, the character playing her, rolls a d twenty and hits a twenty. 
changes my world because now I got this bloody god that won't stop following this this thief around. <laughs> because he he says, No, 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 you don't understand. It's written. Whoever can see my face and, and survive it is going to be my new priestess. Please come back with me. I want to give you all these things. And so there's after like three adventures, I'm like, God, can we get rid of this guy? <laughs> that, but yeah, they, 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 these things happen the players they make changes i i had <laughs> i tried to kill one of my players it, it sounds harsh but it, it was fine at the time where i had him roll multiple saving throws he was making choices that were clearly detrimental and it finally mm -hmm. they got to him and i was like okay great he's you know you get to him it's a little too late my friend wanted to switch his characters anyway which was fine uh, until my another player was like can i roll a medicine check to try and revive him me in the back of my head thinking okay sure i'm gonna make the dc absorbently high so you're not going to succeed it's fine right, and then he rolls right. it and he rolled a natural 20 and in the way i do things i can't go against the dice and when it's a 20 like that and i'm like all right well you uh you revive him and he lived mm -hmm. And my entire plan went, went out the window. <laughs> I am. Um, I have to explain to, to new players, and I don't get a lot of new players. Um, but I explain to new players that I don't kill characters very often. It's very rare. It's really, really, really rare. Because to me, killing a character, at least for me, is um, is boring. Right. There are worse. There are worse things than death. That can happen to you and they're usually much more interesting than being killed so you might fall and die but you you're going to show up in about three episodes with a heck of a back new backstory <laughs> that's awesome yeah. you know, what happened I, we 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 thought you were dead well you know i was but this guy in armor came by and pulled me out of my grave and said i'm going to create this church and i want you as my new acolyte and here i am i'm alive again you know that and and that 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 the players, you know, they 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 know that there are things worse than death. That's funny. Well, not worse. I should I should say I should say interesting. Yeah. When you die, when your character dies, they're they're just they're dead. That's it. They're not interesting anymore. But when they're you know when they're being resurrected or whatever whatever's happening to them, um, that's more interesting. And I want to, I want something that this isn't just for you know this isn't just for their amusement. It's also for my amusement. I want to see what the players are doing with what I gave them. Right. That that is entirely relatable. I've gotten to a point where I have I have a couple consistent play groups, and they're in a mm -hmm. couple of my games, and they're my friends are incredibly smart. They come up with these fantastic plans on how to deal with situations that I'm never ready for. So I I've actually right. gotten to a point where I will throw situations at them. I haven't decided how the situation can right. resolve itself. There's no clear answer in my head of what the players you know if they took X Y and Z course of action they would protect themselves when i'm dming i'm just like great you've got this 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 war machine to fight have fun mm -hmm. and they always come up with some sort of amazingly interesting way to deal with it and yeah. and all that stuff and it really does come out real you know a little bit better is when you have players like that who um who want to participate and want to do it in a way that is very very exciting and very much true to their character and true to the role play. Uh, I myself am a game design major, so I also have to participate in a lot of um, 
academic readings of game studies. And one of the earliest mm -hmm. ones is the study of just quote unquote play and how right. it's one of those things where when somebody breaks character, it ruins the whole thing. When somebody starts starts to be on the outside, if you looked in on us playing a D&D &D session, it's we're making funny voices, we're doing weird ac accents, we're talking about dice and all this stuff and moving little guys. It definitely wouldn't look right to somebody who's never heard of it. But when right. all, ever, all the players are invested in it and the GM is invested in it, it has a completely different uh, feeling and view. And it's a whole different experience when everybody know, everybody wants to be a part of it everybody wants to have their their say and their input on the story right. at large well all i know right. is that and the simplest solution is for me to just dive into the giant worm's mouth i mean what but what could happen exactly it... <laughs> i throw a monster at you where its whole gimmick is eating people swallowing them and that kills them and your first turn <laughs> you flew into its mouth well it's 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 like the uh, big red button on the side of the gun on the side of the dungeon walls that says do not push right. and so of course we had a we had a we had a party of five people so the first character was well heck if it does if it says not not to push there must be there must be treasure there so of course he pushes and of course gets disintegrated oh, and that, the second guy the second guy goes well it must be a great treasure if you if you can be disintegrated i better push it too so he pushes and he gets disintegrated and the third person says, well, you know, there's no way in hell this trap has has three disintegrations in it. So I'm going to push the button and I'll get the treasure because there's no way in heck this thing has three disintegrations in it. Well, of course it does. <laughs> so now we got the now the party's now the party's down to two. And you're like, oh, my God, this is so much for that. But one of the things I try to do is, is I try to take them out of the mundane world. Um, one of my players was a trauma, a tra trauma surgeon, right? And as you know, in D&D, people get hurt a lot. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the nature of the beast. So he found that he couldn't separate himself as a doctor from the game because he knew, he knew a hell of a lot more than I did about the human physiology. So, so we were playing one day, and he says, um, "Okay, what happens to this guy?" So he gets, he goes down, and he's he's in trouble. He goes, "Okay," and he starts doing triage on him. <laughs> and I said, "Well, I, I said, well, you you noticed something you didn't know." And he goes, "What?" I said, "He has five hearts." <laughs> that changes the he's game, like, now, doesn't it? <laughs> he's like, he's like, what? I said, "Yeah, you know, everywhere you, where people have where people have made major pulses." He goes, yeah. I said, that's a heart. Every, everybody has a heart there. He goes, even my character? I said, yeah. Every character that's on this world has five hearts. <laughs> and, he came to, and he came to me later and he said, thank you. I really appreciate that because now I don't have to worry because my barbarian knows nothing about medicine. That's awesome. And my, med, my medicine isn't going, to, what I know, my medical knowledge isn't going to work here. So I can just kick back and play the game and just be a player and not a doctor. You know, and that's uh, one thing too that I, I always like to do when I'm playing. And I, I hope that if I'm game mastering that my players adhere to it is to stay in character. If your character, for yeah. example, based on what you just said, if your character doesn't have anything but the basic medical knowledge that comes with the character, um, they shouldn't know anything more than that. 
they shouldn't be able to say, well, if I if I you know cut his throat and stick a you know a, a reed in it, I'll give him a tracheotomy. Mm-hmm. You know, they wouldn't know to do right. that sort of thing. And right. I like and it when character stay a uh, player stay in character. Yeah, and if you want to do that, then play the doctor role playing game. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you, yeah. If you want to worry about, it makes sense. I mean, it's, it's just also one of those things for the experience of playing an RPG, specifically one that has fantasy setting content in it. It's very, very mm-hmm. unique because, at least in Call of Cthulhu, it takes place in, you know, generally speaking, 1920s United States. So that immediately gives it a, a relevancy of realism. And, you know, there's a mm-hmm. lot of lot of factors that we're familiar with and that actually can complicate things. But when you're in a fantasy world, you're playing that you're playing the character that you want to play. I myself, my favorite character I've ever made, he was uh, he essentially could move uh, rocks with his mind. And that was his whole thing. But I, he also had a very terrible charisma score. So when I would <laughs> role play him, I would give him this deep voice and he would I would I would intentionally go and do. Um, a social interaction, just knowing that I was going to have to be really awkward about it, knowing that, yeah, I, yeah. that my character is smart. He's not, he's not going to blurt out things that are going to get them killed, but he's definitely, he's definitely very, very awkward. And then there's a bard in the party who does all the talking anyways. So it was very right. fun for me who I myself like to, I can come up with things on the fly a little bit easier than everyone else. Generally speaking in my friend mm-hmm. group, I had to pull back from all the creative things that I thought of because my character is, it's not, that's not who he is. He wouldn't think of that. He wouldn't think to say this. He might have a plan. He might formulate a p- plan relatively quickly, but my character was all, all brawn and very minimal uh, personality. Mm-hmm. So that was a fun, fun factor to play into for me. And it was actually very unique because I had never actually done that before. Um, and it created cool. a lot of memorable experiences of us accidentally mm-hmm. bypassing encounters or uh, um, uh, accidentally picking fights that we didn't want to pick because my character absolutely flubbed his diplomacy check because <laughs> right, I, yeah. he wasn't good at it to begin with. And so there's right. a lot of details like that uh, for all the people listening. The RPG experience is very, very unique, I would say. It's not even similar to modern video games. As I, I play both, it's a very, very different thing. Especially with David, you seem to be like a very, very fun DM to play with who has a lot of variety and wants a lot of variety in your games. So that just adds to the flavor of of coming up with this person as a player. And then you're also in this world that has its own personality and flavor that is being thrown at you. Yeah. And like I like to let things develop over time. I My friend Mike was terrified. He's ter- he's terrified for his character because he's like, I don't know how I'm going to play this. And I'm like, neither do I. Right. Just go with it. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I guess that works. And it's it helps, it helps personalities develop. And I didn't have a voice for my favorite character for at least the first year of playing with him. So wow. it definitely, mm-hmm. it definitely yeah. takes a lot for, uh, for it. And I have seen some people come out of their shells. My my friend Josh is yeah. a, he's a great player and he's very smart and he loves the mechanical side of D and D. He loves rolling dice and coming up with good uh, interactions between all the rules. But he was never big into role play, and now he's role playing possibly the funniest character in my adventure, and because mm-hmm. he's just had so much experience and is able to just relax in the friend group a little bit more and actually lean yeah. into the role play. It's a very, very 
very weird situation to be in overall because like you said pop it's like acting right all cooperative storytelling and if you got a good gm where my my number one rule is rule of cool if you're going to do something fun we're going to see if it'll work right yeah oh yeah i know that from firsthand experience (laughs) the thing the the thing is that, that that i've encountered recently is i'm a dinosaur for the way i run i'm a dinosaur nobody else very few people run like I run because I come from a more authoritarian background when it comes to D and D. Now I'm not going to just kill your character. I'm not just going to like, you know, make this all stuff bad, but the, the world has an order to it and you can't break the order. Mm, that's where I definitely differ is my world is right. I'm, I've, I'm fleshing out the order of how my world works, but right. I have had many, my, my adventures, I, I tend to do them more cinematic. So I am picturing the okay. scene in my head and not mm-hmm. just, not just theater of the mind, but I'm actually almost frame by framing it. And there's so mm-hmm. many hilarious moments where one of my friends found a magic item and he was r- rummaging through it to try and find some items that are stored. And he found a bag of, a bag of holding or whatever. And Behind him, he's he's in a little room, and behind him in the hallway, everyone else is like fighting a couple of trolls. So in my <laughs> mm-hmm. head, it's the, the that scene is shot from his perspective of him just looking for stuff, right. finding nothing, and everyone behind him is screaming and casting spells and trying to trying to survive. So that's that's how right. I like to do it. Is it's very cinematic, and also my adventures, I try to keep them not super connected but connected enough that there are npcs that show up that i i've made right. that i made years ago that have shown up in mm-hmm. whole other campaigns run by other people and, and right. stuff like that I've, i love doing that a lot of a lot of what what i do is that when i when i say that you know i'm 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 very on top of it and controlling not so much controlling is i just i just don't have time for murder hobo yeah, that's that's my favorite you know, phrase that and, the D and D community uses is murder know. hobos. And what does that mean? So, it's somebody who just comes onto your D and D world and just starts killing everything. Oh, they somebody just, who doesn't want to d- dive everything. into the role play and doesn't want to yeah. doesn't they want don't... a reason to be there. Huh. So, so one of the things I, I before murder hobos were a thing, we still got we still had them. They just didn't have that name. And um, so, one of the things that I put into my world really early is gunpowder doesn't work. Mm, okay. It just doesn't work. Now, now it doesn't mean you can't make a gun, but you can't make it out of what we know is gunpowder. It just doesn't work. Huh. There's another there's a there's another mineral you can get, but it's rare and it has to be mined and it has to be milled. It has to go through a special milling process. And when you get that, now you have something that will explode. Now you have an actual muzzle-loading gun that functions like a regular muzzle-loading gun, but it's expensive. It's hard to find, and the average person isn't going to have an M16 with bullets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's so many. The, my players get creative. I've been lucky enough to have people, for the most part, who definitely want to be involved and make their own characters, and people mm-hmm. come out of their shells and all that stuff. Um, I, I'm so, at a point now where I just have the bad guys doing the bad guy thing, and then I have the players <laughs> intervening. So instead of me expecting them to stop the bad guy or something, I'm actually just more prepared for the bad guy to be doing his plot. They show up and start attacking him, and he like escapes or something. Mm-hmm. He's 
wasn't planning on them. And then maybe he begins to plan on them and stuff like that. And my adventures, I try to keep them so interconnected. I have one villain from right. one campaign. He's now a villain mm -hmm. in a separate campaign. And they're, both parties are working for the same organization and trying to achieve the same goal. Is that is that the one we're on? You you guys are part of that too. Yeah. <laughs> I actually mentioned this character in your in actually your campaign. Um I try and keep it as interconnected as possible without it without it being mm -hmm. problematic. That's the other thing is it's it's very easy to say, "Oh, you meet up with this other party and then I run the encounter a certain way." And then mm -hmm. in uh, and then I run the encounter with the opposite party and then it would be it would be different. And so now there's conflicting canonical situations that have happened. Uh, I try to avoid that as much as possible, but also mm -hmm. I, um, I, for me personally, I don't run adventures uh, a second time. I don't run missions the exact same way. I don't do, you know, even if I've devised a really interesting campaign, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in my in my opinion, that's already happened. That's on the what has gone before document. We can only move forward in terms of what the players do, even if it's a brand new party. Yeah, you know, I'm dealing with a couple of level two characters in mm -hmm. a brand new game, but it's all still in the same world, and I'm not going to run the previous adventures. So that's how mm -hmm. I do it. I like it. No, and there's, a, and there's nothing, and there's nothing wrong with that. What, what to to kind of though um, push that though? I I have a I understand the time of my world. Okay, I understand what happened up until 300 years in the future. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to happen that way, but my player characters are, are, um, are actually in the past. Mm -hmm. they, are, they, are they are 15 years in the past. And because they're from the original, times, the, the original timeline, they know what's going to happen in a general idea. And they're not quite sure if they can change time or not. So oh, when there was this, there's this, there's this one battle that's going to take place. Everybody knows about this battle. It's 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 written about this battle. And what happens is the forces of good outnumber the forces of evil. They they march out into the battlefield and they get slaughtered. The good guys just get slaughtered. Oh wow! So like about so like um, about a, a, a real world two months ago, they're in the town. And they start hearing, oh, the, um, the the bad guys are moving in. They're moving up. And so they're out there and people, NPC friends are coming to them and saying, are you going to join the army of good? And they're like, um, uh, no. <gasps> Why aren't you joining the army of good? We outnumber the army of evil. It'll be easy. And and so, you know, they, they, they actually had to skulk out of town. <laughs> they, they, li little, they, they literally skulked out of town because they're like, we don't know if we can change time, but that, we do know. But I was just gonna say that's very interesting in terms of what you're capable of, because obviously your world is significantly older than mine. I, I've I've fleshed out my world so much. I've actually mm -hmm. I've actually calculated the surface wow. to the core, <laughs> the, the <laughs> radius. <laughs> I wow. really I really did just go all out for that one. Um, but as for time, I've thought about it. I don't want to touch that personally um as i'm just not experienced enough for it but it definitely works for a good plot hook of your you know you know what's going to happen 
what are you going to do about it? That that would be very, very interesting for my, my players. Right. And they don't know. The thing is, they don't know everything because sometimes what was put down in the history book was a lie. The history so is written like, for the winners. Hmm. They're like, did we did we change? Because they've actually had some big wins. But they ask themselves, did, did we actually change time? Or is this the way it happened? And they just wrote it differently. So, David, let me make sure I get, have this clear. So you're uh, in your current D&D campaign that you're playing with your players. Yeah. These characters have somehow traveled 15 years back in time. So they're witnessing or coming across encounters that they had in the past. So to be to try to be real quick, so the original a the original a timeline I was running it, and um, in the year in the year two thousand I decided that since I was making a break to another group, that when the group the new group started we had two players in the original group, I would advance time fifteen years, so they woke up one day and fifteen years had gone by, huh. and but they had married some of them had married some of them had, had kids. The characters and that that fit, that yeah the characters yeah in in one care one case one of the characters married her biggest enemy, and she's like I don't know how that happened you know but anyway <laughs> so 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 we had that fifteen year gap period and we knew that in that fifteen year gap period in the very beginning it started with this horrendous battle where the forces of good lose so so that period they they continued on and we played another another 15 years and and that that period of time was never explored that it was just a dead period no they, they just woke up one day people will tell them what their characters did in that time but they don't have any remembrance of it so oh. in 2000 so in 2017 i said to myself you know it's okay for us to keep going into the future it's okay that's fine i like it it's a lot of fun but let's put him into the dead period now. So they woke up. The, these characters are not the same characters. A couple of them are, but most of them aren't. They wake up one morning, and it's it's 30 years ago. Because you've gone 15 years and then 15 years back to cover that dead spot. So they wake up in the middle of the dead spot. Okay. And, and they know that the, the town is going to be destroyed, and that's happened. So, so now they're trying to figure out if can we change time? They know there's this vampire lord that that wants to join the evil side, and if he joins the evil side, bad things are going to happen. So they're trying to they're trying to take him out in a surreptitious way, rather than just kill him. They're trying to find his sire to, okay. and go to the sire and say, "Look, tell him to stop," and and he will because he hates his sire, but he but he can't not not do what the sire says. So that's the that's the adventure because they figure that somebody has to do it because it wasn't done in their time. They know the vampires didn't take part, so they've got to be able to do it. So right. they're, they're, some of them are some of them are very confused. Some of the players don't know any better because they're just they're just now playing. Right, right. And one of the one of the things the problem one of the big problems in my world is it doesn't work well on single shot. It can, but it doesn't work as well. It works better when you have time to play over a year or two. Right. And Definitely. so what, what what happened to my players, a new player would show up and he would start, he or she would start asking questions because the moon doesn't work right. 
Hmm. It starts in the north. It, it rises in the north. It gets to midnight, and it's right above. And then it goes back into the north. Oh, weird. So they look at that, and they go, they go, what the heck is that about, right? <laughs> and the players, got the, the players got to the point where they would say, that's a long story. And that's all the explanation they gave. That, that must and, be a very, very good feeling as a DM, like, all right, we're, we're that far ahead that new players, they're not even going to properly get the full story from the in-game characters. So what, I, so what I did was I started a thing called Story Points. You get experience for telling stories about what the hell's going on. Oh, that's hmm. pretty good. That's pretty good. I myself use, I prefer to use milestone XP. So whenever a plot point okay. has unfolded, the players level up. So it's also a little easier for me to control yeah. in the sense of, oh, okay, cool. You got through these two monster encounters, but those were just random in the forest. Mm -hmm. Now you're actually at the location that you're supposed to go to and all of that stuff. I should have a question for you, David. How big yeah. is your party now? The In your main game that you run twice a month, how big? many people do you have at the table um we're using a virtual table we have five hardcore members that are there for almost every episode and okay. then we we have we have three people that want to play but they can't because of because of uh, home issues or childcare issues or whatever and you know I like these people. I don't play with anybody who's not my friend or I can't make my friend. So I just say, yeah, you know, show up when you can. It's okay. Yeah, we really could have used a magic user last time, but, but it's okay. Just show up and play. Have a good time. One of, one of the characters who just came back last, last episode, which is two weeks ago, um, the last time I played with him is, is 1981. Oh, wow. And so he, but he can't make it all the time. He can make it most of the time. So I would say about eight, but, but five regulars that, you know, that show up every week. And Okay. Um, okay. I, I've gotten into the, the smaller party mindset mm -hmm. with things. So I, I have like a hard maximum of five people per adventure, um, mm -hmm. which is pretty good. And I have a consistent group that I play in different ones. And it's, it's mm -hmm. definitely an experience uh, because I, I can't picture, honestly, having eight players as the GM. That sounds like absolute chaos to me, and it's it, nah, I, I could never. You could do it. If you got you friends who it. are committed, it's a little easier, but uh, my, my friends are dice tower junkies, so they, they're, they're <laughs> lost all the time. See, my, the, the reason, I like four people in a game, and that's what originally when I started on Roll D20 um, six years ago, I think it was, um, I, I, I actually got four players and that's all I wanted. But mm. the problem is um, most of the people I game with, and I'm, I'm not maligning you or your players in any way, shape or form. So please understand that. But a lot of my players are professional people with, with nine yeah. to five really hard jobs. You know, I've got, I've got a scientist and a couple of other people and, and they, so I would, I would find that I would set up something for four and I would get two. Right, right. Oh. So, so I said, okay, I'll pump it up to to five, and then I got three. And I said, okay, I'll pump it up to eight, understanding that not everybody's going to show up all the time, and tell them that it's okay if they don't show up. I understand, and I get four. Right. Five. Hmm. 
Yeah, that, that you know, totally works. If you're not getting eight every, eight at the table all no, the time, then no, that no. that definitely works out a little bit better. Uh, I'm actually but, in the process of designing my own tabletop RPG that would be a lot closer in the system to 5e and uh, mm -hmm, the Pathfinder mm -hmm. 2 second edition system. And I'm designing it as D&D, the way they balance it, obviously, it, for at mm -hmm. least fifth edition, is built for four to five player characters and all of that right. stuff. The monsters are built for, like, a level 12 monster is built for, f like, four level 12 players so it's actually stronger right. than it's not a one-to-one -one ratio it's actually stronger so that with mm -hmm. balancing issues i myself will be balancing my gameplay around having specifically one to two players so that way it's a little easier to play when i eventually hopefully get to create a full document that will house all the mechanics right nice. and, I, and i always i always tell my players that if you come to my table if you sit at my table i promise you you will get playtime you'll get to play. However, if you want a long scene, if you want a, if you want a lot of playtime, I go with whoever's more interesting. Yeah. So, I, and, I've got a smaller party, so I try to group. spread it out. Yeah. I, I, I make sure that everybody gets 10, 20, 20 minutes of play. If you, if you show up, you are going to play. I'm not going to stick anybody in the corner. I'm not going to make anybody show up and not play. Um, but if somebody's doing something really interesting, most players know, hey, you know, let's go do that. That's interesting. Let's go do that. And I, and I, I, I literally go around the table. Okay, um, um, Spencer, what are you doing? Oh, I'm doing this, this, and this, and this. Okay, that's good. Give me a favor. Make a roll. Okay, that's a good number. Come, I'll come right back to you in a second. Okay, now, now, Bill, okay, what are you doing? And I make sure that I constantly go around the table like that. But remember... I've been doing this since 1977. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I can. I walk in with a piece of paper, a pencil, and a D20, and I'm ready to run. Yeah. Interesting. But, 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 that's a, but, but there are things that you do better than I do because it, that's what you've, you've practiced and what you know. It's oh, not I've, because I'm I've, better than you. I've gotten to the point now where... I it's my my problem before was I had this tight knit world, but then I would improvise a large chunk of the things that came off for specific details, which was fine and fun, and I can feel like I can rely on that as my skill set. But I would never write down what I said, mm -hmm. so then I would come back the next session and completely forget the details that my players yeah. are focused on, and go, mm -hmm. oh yeah, that's right. And so now I now my latest session and my session tomorrow, I'm going to make sure I'm writing down all the details and all yeah. that stuff. So that way yeah. I can I can keep track of a the local story and b how does this affect the the greater game at large? And it it, it works. It's a lot of fun. Well, and that's yeah. why I, as a you player, know. take copious notes, as you know, Spence. <laughs> I love it. I, you're the you're the most investigative barbarian I've ever met. <laughs> I, you I know, kid, I but I good. I kid you not. There was a session where I run an adventure with uh with my dad here and uh, my girlfriend. Those are the two players, and he was going around looking through the bookshelf while he plays a barbarian whose whole gimmick is going into a battle rage. And my <laughs> no, girlfriend okay. was playing the spellcaster bard who was trying to single-handedly kill all of the enemies around her in the other room. And it was the opposite of what you would expect the two of them to be doing because yeah. the two players play completely differently. My dad comes from a Call of Cthulhu yeah. investigator's background 
my girlfriend Lauren is definitely doesn't have that. So she she played differently. Yeah. Well, that and and what I was looking for was vital to the plot of what we were doing. I forget specifically, but I remember thinking, shit, if I don't find this, we're screwed. You know? Uh, yeah, I I appreciate that. There's a lot of a lot of players. I, I've met a lot of players in my time. You know, my time's not even all that long. I've met a lot of players that are very much not interested in the story or at the very least not invested enough that it, it gets in the way of the story. Right. Right. See, now, now I, I have run Call of Cthulhu. I've run Traveler. I've run Champions, a bazillion other games, but I can't do that. What I described in those games, because I don't know the third planet in the, in in the third Imperium. I just don't know it. You know, um, I'm, I can run Call of Cthulhu. I think I'm actually pretty good at it. But um, I don't know how much a bottle, a bottle of ale costs in a bar. So, mm. so I, can't, I can't be as free form. I can't be as free form when I'm running other stuff. But when I'm running, when I'm running Mapur, uh, most people call it Avalon. And the, the reason they call that Avalon is the whole world is called Mapur. But the continent that most of the adventure takes place on is called Avalon. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So this, this confused people. They, people. I would talk to people I haven't played with in years, and they're like, so how's Avalon going? I said, oh, it's going great. What, what do you, what's this Mapur thing I keep seeing you? I said, well, it's the same place. It's just you always played on the world of Avalon. If you look, you wouldn't notice it in episode 99 or 100. At the very beginning, there's a a very sketchy map of the world. That's actually a map of the continent you're on. And so when they change, when they go to different continents, I don't make a big deal about it in the the coming, in the uh, introduction, but I change the maps. Oh, okay. Mm, That's that's definitely a big thing. I got to get my myself maps of my continent. I been kicking myself about that for a while because i'm trying to keep it consistent of where players go and i can send the, this group over in that section and this group over in that section yeah and all that yeah, stuff. and i've got i've i've got some maps that i provide for the players and, but they're they're really they're really sketchy and uh in some cases they're just darn well wrong hmm. because because that's how maps you know that's what that's how maps were kind of made in, in that kind of era you, you kind of knew where it was but it, it may not be four days. It may be five days because you're a little bit slower than the person who told you to go there. Or you could be faster and you could miss it. Or the road for, there's a road fork you didn't know about, you know. So, so my maps are a general idea. Okay, we're, going, we're, on, we're on the main continent of Avalon. We know the, the city of Peru is in the north. Okay, we're in the south. We need to go north. That kind of stuff. But I don't I, – I, I think it takes away from the game – when the when the players know too much, I think they I think it it helps the game when they learn. I believe in the John Carter um, method of bringing characters into the world. Which is what? Um, if you don't know my world and if you've never played on my world before, you come from somewhere else. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I I don't do that. I do like having some people be native to the area at least mm-hmm. that they start in uh, i'm perfectly okay mm-hmm. with that because my world has just been less impacted overall uh, well mm-hmm. not recently actually 
<laughs> events have unfolded, but um, <laughs> but th- there's been some. Th- this, I'm perfectly fine with that personally in my world, and also a lot of my like lore and the background mm-hmm. and how the system works in terms of cosmology and what realms they have access to and what gods are around is realistically speaking mostly inspired by Dungeons and Dragons, uh, the right. the fifth right. edition books because that was really a all I had to really go Mm -hmm. off of and b it was the clearest and the simplest explanation i've now expanded into my own territory Mm -hmm. but it definitely was a good starting point for in terms of lore uh, and all that stuff so the background was 5e related but now i'm incorporating Mm -hmm. um the pathfinder game have you ever played pathfinder Mm -hmm. i have i've played original pathfinder for a couple of for a bunch of years actually yeah i highly recommend uh, pathfinder second edition it's a little bit more complex than fifth edition, but it definitely is very interesting. And I'm trying to incorporate that now into my world. Mm-hmm. But because of the fact that the two two franchises have different uh, different lores and different uh, you know, yeah. names for things and all this stuff, and they you know one race has uh, one one side has uh, a bird a people of humanoid birds. Well, the other side has that, but they're called something else and all this <laughs> right. stuff. And right. I now have right. to balance that. <laughs> yeah. That, that's 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 why I use, as I said, the John Carter opening. Now, once you've played on the world for a while and you kind of know something about the world, then yeah, then you can play a character that's actually from the world. But that way, the players come in and everything's new. And if they want to know something, they have to ask. And they're going to be told because the player characters want experience for telling them stories. That's true. That to- that totally works. You I know. see what you're saying for brand new players who you've never played yeah, with yeah. before. That right. I, right. I can totally see working. And uh, and for- it's the my, the world has a god shell around it. So so gods re, uh, other gods cannot penetrate the god shell because it's backed up by all the gods on the world inside the shell. So huh. if you come from another world, you have to pick up another god. That's that's a good explanation. That totally works for but, for storytelling. But there's a couple of gods that, but the gods know this, and so they sort of like if you know if you if you come in and you're a, a, a priest of Athena who's a war goddess, uh, you're going to find uh, Wan Ti over here, the god of war from my world, is going to kind of come over and you're 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 praying to Athena. But all your mana that you're creating by praying is actually going to Wan Ti, so he is going to take care of you. Hmm. That's interesting. Some of the gods, some of the gods actually do an introduction. <laughs> that's hi, a, that's a hi, fun way to do it. <laughs> I'm the, hi, I'm the goddess Chalasea. I'll be taking care of you while you're on Mapur. You know, but 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 that makes it so that people can't come onto the world. And you know, I've been playing for a million years. And, and people have tried all kinds of weird crap on me. And that may be part of the reason why I'm kind of stubborn. But, you know, people would come and say, oh, you know, my God's my best friend. What? Yeah, um, my God's my best friend. And they come over and they, they give me all these great things and they come and help. They come and help me at any time. And I'm like, you know, I don't want to really want to destroy your character, but that's fine. Yeah, your God is your best friend. But, you know, your best friend's not here. <laughs> Definitely, but yeah. There's a, but, there's a control aspect in terms of being a DM that has to be, you know, it has to be a good balance of power in a, a you know, a nice social con- contract of the fact that 
I am the arbiter of the rules. I'm the narrator of the story right. and I play the opponents. So I want to make a fair experience, but I don't want to compromise my world just to let one player have their fun. Right. And yeah, and it, exactly. And, and I always tell people, you know, as I, I try to come across as a mean GM, but I'm not really mean. They know it. <laughs> uh, whenever I roll good rolls, whenever I roll good rolls for the orcs, I'm always saying, oh, look, the good guys are doing well for once. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> pretty, pretty good, pretty good. It's a fake. It's a fake. It's a fake of me being um, uh, an enemy to you. It's a fake. It's not real. <laughs> I want you to have a good time. I want you to succeed. But it makes it better when I'm saying, oh, man, I rolled in. Oh, that, that, that poor anti-palace. You just cut his head right off. How can you do that? <laughs> I can't believe you're... I can't believe you're treating my NPCs this way. I have to have a moment. Yeah, yeah, it, it okay, totally works. Can, you gotta yeah, have your, as, as you gotta have your it, players. That's my mindset: is yeah. your players need to succeed. I want you to succeed, but I want yes, you to do yes. it by the skin of your teeth. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what's the, funny the, is because Spencer's in in college in Massachusetts, and I live in Maine. We we play infrequently, and when we do, he's game mastering, and it's me and his girlfriend are the players. And you know, I find that. When I sit down, because a lot of time often passes between sessions, I've got to look over mm -hmm. my notes, what I wrote in the last session. But then I have to look over my character sheet. And I, I even went to the point of getting um, these large note cards and I wrote all my, my weapons and stuff on there. I don't really have spells because he's, he's a half-orc. He's not a magic character. And so, But then I go through like my character sheet as we're setting up and getting ready to play with a fine-tooth comb to remind myself of all the different things I have. And then every so often in the middle of the play of play, I'll be like, oh, wait, I got this. And I'll go, oh, all right, I do this. And Spencer's like, damn, I forgot you had that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Magic items, they yeah. change the game. <laughs> one, one of the things going, <clears throat> excuse me, going back to making this a real world is I want them to also understand the humor of some things that a normal person wouldn't understand because they're not from the world. And I got this idea because I read this article about saying that if you actually did the plays in Shakespeare's English, there's actually little jokes in there that only somebody who was hearing the play in Shakespeare's English would get. Right. So if you're, if you're listening to a translation, you're not going to get the joke. But if, if you're listening to it and you understand Shakespeare's English, you're going to get the joke. So I want to do a, I do a lot of in jokes with my characters. Like there's a race on my world that's an, supposedly it's this old decadent race that has been around forever, seen everything. They've seen everything. And whenever, and we have one of them in our party, they're called Manthusians. And whenever somebody says something, the Manthusian usually holds its finger up and says, my race was doing that when your race was swinging through the trees. <laughs> And and so so you know they'll say oh look it's it's a it's a dinosaur we're gonna go fight it and the the man thinks he'll sit back and say yes but you know my race we were killing dinosaurs when your race was swinging through the trees <laughs> and so now everybody now everybody ends ends the conversation for him <laughs> they, 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 yep. he, he'll start up and they'll say yes we know. Your grace was doing this when, so they they know that about the character types. 
they know that about the world. Right. right. Um, to make it to make it a world, to make it something where they think, wow, you know, this is, you know, this is um, this is something. It's not. It doesn't feel prefabricated. Um, I do actually have a couple of short adventures that I've run for people, just sort of like getting on the getting on the world and getting off. It's a little four hour adventure. If you ever guys, if you guys ever want to, let me know. And um, I can set something up, and we'll run you through it. It's, it's sort of a it's sort of a taste to sort of say, okay, this is what it's like. But, oh, cool. you, but you can't stay because because it's, it's only four hours, and, and you're not going to become my, one of my regular players, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but anyway, if you ever want to do that, just just reach out and let me know, and um, I'll I'll dust it off. And it's, it's basically a little town on my world uh, because people come from other worlds; they're gating onto the world. Right. And there are there are seven gates, and one of the gates they've actually built like moss isolates around it. Oh wow! Because because crap is always coming through the damn gate. <laughs> it, 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 it it could be forty tons of copper. It it could be stegosauruses. Who knows what's going to be coming through the gate? You know, and and so that's I've kind of used that as a, a, a convention game where the players stumble out of the gate, and everyone knows oh they're from they're from the far north. Hmm. No, and by the way, nobody nobody comes from off world on my world. There, it's always you're from the far north, aren't you? <laughs> well, I guess I am. Totally works. You're from the far north. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I understand. But anyway, so if you ever want to do that, let me know. Give me a, you know, give me a couple weeks of notice. But but I do. I I um I I, I hope people listen to them a per adventure, and I hope they listen to it and they say, wow, you know, these players of his were really smart. Yeah. Um, the GM, eh, not so much. What the <laughs> hell were the winged? What were the what were the winged gorillas? But if you if you listen to the Mapur adventures, the thing is, I want to I want to get people to understand the world without always stopping to explain it. One of the things I liked about your introduction, um, do you ever listen to um, Mr. Ballin? No, no. It's a, it's a, he's, he's, a, he's got a podcast, it's called Mr. Ballin, and he tells stories, and they're, they're usually spooky stories. But the thing I like about him is if he's talking about a word, he explains it. Hmm. He says, and, and suddenly a P-51 came out of the sun. A P-51 is a fighter aircraft from World War II, and I really like that. And when you were starting, when you were do, doing the introduction, you said – D and D, and then you said, and what that is, and you explained it, which was really nice because it made me say, "Oh, okay, yeah, it's cool." For someone who doesn't know, right, right, exactly. Um, real quick, I, mean, I, I one last question. Yeah. Um, you had brought this up at the beginning that you you played Fourth Edition and you didn't like, and I think you even told me that off mic. This is Dungeons and Dragons. They every so often they yeah. come out with a new edition, and I think they're up to fifth right. now, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you yeah. played fourth, but you didn't like it. And I, first, I, I I want you to get into that in a second. But Spence, have you played fourth edition of D and D? I have not. I do have access to the rule set of fourth edition, um, but it's a, I I know things about fourth edition since I have become a Pathfinder player. Uh, a lot of the Pathfinder players are very, very, we're very interested in Dungeons and Dragons 3.5. Fourth edition came out and that pushed them over to the Pathfinder first edition game. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of talk about that I see often. And essentially fourth edition was just widely unpopular because it was a big departure from 3.5 and stuff like that. Hmm. 
Interesting. You know, because I, I remember that when Cthulhu, I forget what edition they're on now, but they, um, you know. Uh, seventh. They're on seventh, right. And I think it was the previous one. It might have been sixth. And for folks at home, you know, these, these games, what they do is they'll come out with one. It's sort of like Windows. And then they'll come out with another one you know, the next level up because they think it's better. And sometimes it's not, as case in point, fourth edition. Um, and Cthulhu moved to what's called the D20 system, which is the same one that, um, the, uh, what do you call it, D&D uses, uh, where y everything's pretty much based on the role of a 20-sided die, whereas uh, Cthulhu previously was doing what's called percentile, where you have um, two 10-sided dice and you're rolling anywhere from one to 100. And so um, I like the fact that they finally went back to percentile. I like the percentile system. But, but David, what did you not like about 4th edition? I know you had a lot to say about it. I, the part of the, the thing I didn't, I didn't understand a lot of what they're doing. Now that I play 5th edition, I kind of understand what they were trying to do with 4th. And, and what that was, it was giving things like uh, Orson and... Um, what do you call the magic user zero level spells? Um, I can't, my, my brain isn't working. Um, but the, they, they, they were giving, they were giving the first level spells something or the magic users to do something to do in the very beginning of D and D, you know, you had one spell and you had maybe a crossbow or a dagger. And that's not really very much of a magic user. If most of the game you're using a dagger, right? And what, the, what they did in fourth edition, my understanding, I didn't play a lot of it was they, they, gave, they gave everybody little tricks they can do. And oh, okay. I liked that. I liked that in 5th edition. But 4th edition, I tried to read it. I couldn't understand it. And I'm not a stupid person. Okay, maybe I am a stupid person. <laughs> but, dude, I, but dude, I understand GURPS. I understand the Arduin Grimoire. I understand 1st edition. I understand 3rd edition. I understand it 3.5. You know... I understand Cthulhu version one and seven. So the fact that um, fourth edition just kind of left me out and dry. It just, it just, it just left me really cold. And I looked at the rules and I read it and I'm like, eh, I think I'm going to stay with 3.5. And then of course, Pathfinder came out and I picked up Pathfinder and went to Pathfinder for a while. The, the big rule, one of the big rules I, I use on my world is the world trumps the rules. Mm -hmm. Yep. Same. Same but, over here. Is that it? It it entirely depends. I'm actually been yeah. recently fleshing out the document that says when you pick when you're picking your character, these are the things that are common. These are the things that are uncommon, and these are the things that are completely foreign. If you pick it, you will be right. treated as if you're completely new. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, to, I want to be I want to be fair with the person. You know, I don't want, I'm not going to say, well, you know, the world says this, you're going to die. Um, I'm, I'm not going to go and do that. But where the rules meet with the, and the world, they, I just know. I, 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 for years, I wrote a D&D um, &D system that I was really happy with. It was my own homebrew system. And it, it worked well on my world. It was called DCS. Yes, you can buy it on um, DriveThruRPG. Um, and I worked really, I worked really hard on that system. I really liked it. I ran it for 10 years. I, I put it away because I asked myself, which is more important to my, to me? Is it the story of my world that's more important or is it the rules? Because if it's the rules, 
there's people who make more money and have more money than I am that can put more work into it. And their game is always going to be um, more widely received. Right. Mine may be better, but it's never going to be as widely received as theirs is. So, but I, and I said, the other side is, am I, am I telling a world story? Am I allowing a place for the people to go? Yes. So where the rules meet, you know, the world, the rules lose, but it's got to be fair to the players. You know, it's yeah, got to be fair to the players, but I'm, I, I, I'm a big, for example, one of my, one of the characters or one of the players in my game who was a new person, uh, his first character died. Strangely enough, he died. And uh, he <laughs> came back and he says, I want to play, I want to play a gunslinger, <laughs> which, which is a character I think in Pathfinder. And he says, I want to play a gunslinger. Uh-huh. I said, Normally, I don't tell people no, but here I'm going to tell you no. He goes, well, I want to play a gunslinger. I said, no, you can't because there's no gun. That, yeah, that would, uh, that would put a dent in it. <laughs> right. There's no gun. I said, you could have crossbows or something. But I've seen in, in the years I've been playing, I've seen people go from the, hey, you're going to run D&D. That's great. Can I play? To the point of, I'm a player, and you are going to take me on your world. Mm, yeah, I, I'm and grateful I, I, I don't have to deal with that. I've run into it, and I'm just kind of like going, um, no, this is my living room. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is my living room, and I'm not a public servant. You know, I'm not charging you anything, but I'm not a public servant. And, you know, we're not going to do this. Um, one one gentleman said to me, you know, the problem is, David, I said, well, what's my problem? I got tons of problems, but what's your opinion? He says, you need to understand that D&D is exactly like improv. And I said, unfortunately, my friend, you're wrong. I've done improv. I've done improv uh, semi-professionally. D&D is not the same as improv because in improv, you can never say no. <laughs> that's 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 totally fair that's the rule of improv if i'm if i'm if i'm you know um if i'm playing in the improv and you the, uh, you guys are in improv too and one of you tells me that i'm jackie gleason i can't say no i'm okay i gotta i gotta play jackie gleason there's there's i can't say say no because that's how improv works mm-hmm. right D yeah. doesn't work like that D&D is a cooperative players are making a world for their own fun, but there is a guide. There is a bit of somebody saying, no, you can't do that. Yeah. And that's, that's what I, that's good. That's the role. That's the role of the dungeon master. You are the, you are in charge. Obviously, if you want people to enjoy themselves, you're going to, you know, you know, arbitrate, arbitrate the rules fairly and, you know, and forcefully, but at the same time, if there's something that doesn't work, if a player has ideas uh, that doesn't work, like I had to um, convince one of my friends to kind of lean off a certain archetype he was trying to lean into. He was trying to make um, the uh, the Nintendo character Mario and turned it okay. into and turn it into the um, a character in D and D. And he was worried about how will I get all of Mario's superpowers from the games into D and D. And I was like don't think like that and i had to like lean him yeah, off of yeah. that lean him off that idea i'm like 
think more like get the core powers and then just role play it out and it, the role play yeah, yeah. is much more memorable yeah. and much more important in looking back on it than yeah. it than than the the superpowers were yeah and i always i always tell people right up front you know my game isn't for everybody and if you don't like it and if you don't want to play feel free don't play don't come back but don't don't hide from me i can still be your friend we can still talk D&D, we can still hang out, we can still do all that stuff. You just don't play in my world. That's okay. Right, right. Yeah, I, have, yeah. I, have, I have friends, my wife doesn't play in my D&D world anymore. She used to, but then she said, no, I've done enough. Did I, did I disown my wife? No. <laughs> no. So, 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 you know, it's, what I've no, noticed in the last bunch of years is the, the the game has kind of shifted and it's become where people are like, well, I'm going to do this because this is what the rules say. And I, I hear that over and over and over again. Luckily, I've only encountered it like twice. And I was just like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think you're going to be happy here. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you to quit. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say you, I'm not going to say you can't play, but I'm, I'm going to say, I don't think you're going to be happy. If you're not happy because you can't have a gunslinger and the world doesn't have, well, I'll, I'll invent gunpowder. You can't. It's the, somebody somewhere, I don't know if it's a god, demon, or devil, somebody said, no, this isn't going to work. Well, who did that? It's not really something we're going to discuss. <laughs> yeah, it, we're, just, we're not, we're not going to discuss it. You know, you can't play a gunslinger because there's no gun. Come in with crossbows. Carry a bunch of crossbows. Different size crossbows, different color crossbows. Crossbows that do different things. Do that, you know. But but don't try to tell me you're. Well, I'm going to bring a gun because the rules say so. Nah. Or same thing with spells. You know. Well, this spell says this, this, and this. You know. I try to keep the spells because otherwise I cut too many of them out. So okay, yeah, that's fine. Do I? What's that? What's that stupid ring of blink? One of my one of my group has a ring of blink. I hate that ring. <laughs> but. But but it's but it's it's but it makes sense in the game. It makes sense in the world, and so I'm not going to go and destroy it just for the heck of it. You know, that's not that's not right either. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah, yeah that's exactly. Not right. that, that's something I see uh, on the internet a lot is people frustrated that the rules say certain things in a tabletop role-playing yeah, game yeah. and they're like i'm a dm yeah. and i'm so annoyed that this spell requires this saving throw and I, all of the comments are it's your game change it <laughs> right <laughs> yeah yeah it's and, a lot of, and there's a lot of miscommunication and there's, and there's been a, there's been a shift because it's been 40 years for crying out loud but there's been a shift from when when I first started playing D and D and I was seventeen, sixteen, seventeen, the only people who played D and D were the nerds, mm-hmm. the, right? The nerds and the geeks, and and I don't know about you, but I kept it secret. I didn't tell anybody. It was it was it was my respite from the outside world and high school and the jocks and all the other you know that was. But D and D was my respite and all my little group of friends. And we were, we looked like everybody. We had everybody in our group, the, the band kids that got kicked out, you know, the, the acting kids, we got all the people who didn't fit in their group. And, and now though, it's like, everybody knows what D and D is. Right. Yep. Right. It's, it's definitely had and a it, massive and, culture shift. Yeah. And I, I mean, I remember when, you know, D and D they had mass rallies and there was an organization called bad 
bothered about Dungeons and Dragons. It was trying to get D&D shut down. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The the, uh, you know, the satanic panic. A friend of mine wrote his yeah. wrote one of his yeah. papers on that. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, I remember. The... No, go ahead. No, I I mean, I remember all that. So so now I'm I'm. It's sort of like now all these these now all these cool people are coming in and they're saying, "Hey, man, we're cool." I'm like, uh, "Yeah, but but that's this is the way this is this is our thing." Yeah. You've got your own thing. Leave your, leave our thing alone, <laughs> you know. But 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 we got to change because if we don't change and if we don't grow, we will eventually all go away. So I, I I like some of the change. I like that's why I like about Facebook is you know I'm sorry YouTube is I like the ability to do this. Um, I've I've done 102 episodes, so I mean I guess I must enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. I. I, I think, I'm a little on the fence about how mainstream Dungeons and Dragons has become. I kind of like it, but at the same time, I honestly don't like this culture shift with like things like Critical Role and all of this stuff, where it's these it's these professional grade shows of people playing D and D. And then if if anybody mentions that to me before they come to my table, that's a red flag for me. They're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I love is, Critical Role. I'm like, well, is. just just so you know, my game is not as much like Critical Role. Uh, you know as you would think and it ha- it definitely has an impact on them when they they go from watching D&D which mm-hmm. as, as much as I I as a as a Gen Z kid I did grow up and I still continue to watch videos of people playing video games as just just the main media of how I how I do it it's not all the same thing yeah. but yeah. I cannot sit here and watch people play a tabletop role playing game it just it does not do it for me, and I it's very <laughs> ironic because I am a big proponent of tabletop games, and I love you know a good D and D session. I love playing Pathfinder, and I want to play Call of Cthulhu and all this stuff, but I I don't want to watch people play it. If they're really good, and and if they're really good at improv and they've got really good voices, I, I haven't watched a lot of Critical Role, but. Critical, what I've seen of Critical Role is pretty entertaining. They, 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 they got some production. They know what they're doing. They're moving quickly. And, and it, it's, 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 it's good. I've watched it. It's, it's good. What little oh. bit I've watched. Yeah, but I I'm watch not saying it, it's I, bad but, at all, but it's just not for me. But, but I, watch, I watch a lot of other um, actual play, and it's like a, 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 a stringing together fart jokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know, this is funny for the five of you sitting in a circle, but uh, I'm just not connecting. Um, I was, I love, I love the Aliens movies, and there's an Aliens, a new Aliens role-playing game out. Oh wow! And of course, I had to go. I haven't bought a a game in ten years. I had to go buy that, and I was watching a couple of the Aliens, you know, um, actual plays. And this one, I was watching. Oh my God! They had some. They had music and. They had this whole thing and set up, and they had like they had like pictures and video, and I'm watching like, oh my god, this is amazing! Yeah. And then the, the then the the introduction's over, and then there's four guys sitting around in chairs. Yeah, yeah I mean that's, that's the nature of the I'm beast. Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is um, yeah, and and they're not they're not especially good role players, so I'm like, ah, okay. And I, I knew if I, when I was doing the Mapur Adventure, I knew I wasn't going to be able to find, you know, four, four, five, um, you know, voice actor quality people that can do it. 
Right. I, I, think, I, just, I think I just knew it wasn't going to be all fun. I think but. watching role playing games happen is not that interesting. It's it's playing the game is what's interesting. If you're immersed yeah. in it and you're you're either the player or the game master, that's where the fun lies. You know, simply recording a session. My God, you know, Spence, you're an I session would. As, as much as some awesome, awesome things have happened, it would be super boring to someone who not only doesn't know about how to play the game, but maybe does. And, you know, because there's so much, there's so many tangents that we go on and over the course of yeah. so many hours, you know? Yeah, I I'm yeah. myself am hesitant not just to watch it, but joining other people's tables and I've never played with them before and they're the DM, it it is intimidating for me because I, and I have to, I have to steer clear of it because I'm in my friend's Pathfinder 2E game. Now I, I've played in his games before and I love his games and I love his style. Um, but whenever, whenever there's a, a, a pause or a break is when I would start to say, well, here's how I would rule it instead of yeah. trying to arbiter the rules when I'm just one of mm -hmm. the players and stuff like that. And it, yeah. it, it works because we're in agreement a lot of the time, but I have, um, I, I've played a couple of sessions at um, like local game stores. They run Adventurers League and stuff like that. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know what Adventurers League is, uh, in Dungeons and Dragons, it's sanctioned by Wizards of the Coast. They local game stores have uh, specific a few local people be the GM, and they run adventures uh, on a weekly basis that are all generally speaking uh, the same adventure on that night. At, at the same game stores and it's organized play it's really really fun but for me joining other people's tables i'm hesitant because i i don't know their style and i don't know if i'm going to enjoy playing them or if they're going to be able to follow what i want to do with certain characters you know certain little gimmicks of my character like i i joined a local mm -hmm. game session one shot and my character got disintegrated by the end of it and I'm not going to lie. I was a little disappointed because I was really, really hoping my character would at least live to see the end of the session. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah. it's fine. I, I, that, that's why with, with the Mapur Adventure is I decided not to do the player. We're not looking at the player version. We're looking at the character version. We're right. looking at what the character sees, what the character does. Do. You, you would probably never know who these players were. Some of, the, some of the characters play, or some of the players play multiple characters. Huh. But, that, but, that, but that's not important, because what's important is, let's look at their character. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing my best to stay to the spirit, you know, of their character as I, as I remember them and, you know, as they were. And I think it's different. That's, that's, that's the, the mountain I got to climb. It's different. Right. People yeah. are like, what is it? I'm like, I'm like, it's a D and D adventure. Oh, it's like, it's like Critical Role. Um, no, no, it's not. It's, it's different. <laughs> it's shorter. You know, it's it's shorter. We use, I use, I use three D characters, and I try to, you know, I try to make them nice, short, and quick, and then you'll come back for another one. I got a hundred of them. That's like six hours. Yeah. 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 I mean, Critical Role does these like three hour sessions of stuff, and. It, it's just a different and uh, I yeah, don't like when people are so it, like into this, it's this weird, it's become this weird, um, how do I phrase it? It's this intermediate culture that has come out of Gen Z kids who watch D&D, &D, but don't play D&D. &D. And 
sometimes beaten just purely because they don't have people around them to play with, but they don't play yeah, D&D. Yeah. So it creates this intermediate person who understands the rules, but has never had the uh, the actual been in the situation to apply the rules right uh, as a player yeah. or as a dm so it's it's a little difficult now for me to communicate with people in in the D circle because i don't relate to them as hard in a sense of like i do things my way and i don't know or want to know too many other ways of doing things with the exception of like like you david you have some fantastic ideas on how you apply things but your overall style is not my overall style. We do things differently. No. And I'm fine. The you know, variety is important, but I can't relate to a lot of people my age who play this game because now there's a chunk of them who don't have a frame of reference for the actual game. Right. <laughs> right. And it's like it, it, it's like some of the online ones I've watched, you know, there's like four people there and they're they're talking and they start they're in character and one of the characters makes a joke and everyone breaks down laughing for twenty minutes. Right. I'm like, yeah, but can't can we can we move on, please? I'd really like right. to watch this adventure. Can we move on? Yes, it was cute, but every time he comes out with his Scottish voice, I really don't need to. Whoa, oh, 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 gee, come on! You <laughs> yeah, just took me right yeah. out of the. You just took you just took me right out of the story. You took me out of the world. Right. It, yeah, you took me out of the world. It definitely has it. It definitely has I mean, its place and all that stuff. And I'm not too harping yeah. on immersion personally because I also understand that for my friends, this is a casual thing. They're not as emotionally attached to their characters. Right. But me personally, uh, I um, my how I got into Pathfinder was one of my coworkers was like, "Hey, have you ever played Pathfinder? It's kind of like D and D, but there's more you can do." And growing up on uh, the avatar the last airbender franchise i was like yeah. can i can i play an earthbender and he goes yes you can mm -hmm. and that's what oh, got cool. me into it <laughs> that, that was the kicker so it's it, that yeah. was fun for me that the apply the joys of the applied game mechanics was fun but if i watch right. somebody play pathfinder and play their kineticist it would have to be really really engaging like you said then watching an actual D, &D session because i know the struggle we all know the struggle of running a game session and nothing gets done the uh, players do nothing some, sometimes those are the best ones though this is true but say, it is it is a little say, annoying what happened you say what happened nothing but the players enjoyed it i want to i want to i want to i want to spend some time with each player as we play i want to tell them that you're going to get some play time and I'm going to treat your character while I'm dealing with your character as the star of the show, even though they're not. I'm going to treat you as if you are. So you know, I try to you know, you you reach into the you you reach into the bar the bar you you reach into the bucket and you pull out your hand and you notice there's it, your hand is gone. There's a demon claw, and they're like, oh crap! And you say, but that's not the weird thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it totally and, works. And with, I'll so, come right back to you. I got to go over here to Bill. Yep. You, yep. you just worry about the hand. I'm going to go over to Bill here. Yeah, I love that kind of thing. <laughs> I, I do. Call, I, I call it the spotlight. And when I have more players yeah. like uh, pop in your game, it's a little easier because there's two players and you both are, generally speaking, doing the same thing in the same area. 
Whereas in my other game, uh, I had the character, there was four players and two of them split up to go search one side of the town. Two of them, the other two went off to the other side of the town. And mm-hmm. after some investigation, I was switching between the two. And one of the group was like, we should go find the others. And they look at me and I'm yep. like, hold that thought. And I cut to the <laughs> other side. And then they did something crazy that essentially erupted in a couple of very, very loud gunshots mm-hmm. in this very quiet town that it was it, it was very a comical situation. And so then I cut back to my other my other group on the other side of the town. I'm like, so you want to go find them at that moment that you say that you hear two massive gunshots and everybody's in a panic. <laughs> and you can have these these moments uh, for me, very cinematic moments where you're switching between the two the the two sections uh, that you know each player gets their own chance to shine and do something and i always reward creativity personally i always reward like the the swing from the chandelier and try and do a double backflip and still somehow shoot the monster go for it that is what i want to see personally more than a lot of other things so the more daring the adventure and less mundane and less direct the the better it is for me and the more i i give players items i give players levels i give players yeah. uh whatever whatever resources they use to stay alive well and i that's always what, reward that that's what makes it fun i mean that's why i love playing drax in in your campaign because you know he always think or i always think outside the box when i'm doing stuff and oftentimes it's super crazy but it be, ends up becoming super fun and we win in the end <laughs> for the most part <laughs> yeah yeah so basically yeah um that's that's basically that's that's my that's my idea. That's what I that's what I do. That's what the per adventure is. If you want to find it, um, just go onto YouTube and type in M P E R adventure. There, there's no other one that I know of. Right, right. I was actually just going to ask you that if you could get tell us oh. how to find you online. <laughs> so we're on the same yeah, wavelength. Here. I think I really think people yeah. should check out your show. It's awesome. It's entertaining. It's really fun. And like you said, they're only about seven minutes. So, you know, it's not it's not like you're committing yourself to a half hour or a two hour movie. It's um it's really tight and and uh, the stories are interesting. And they I think, you know, with the cliffhangers, they keep you coming back for more. So people should check this out. The Emperor Adventure Series on YouTube. Yep. Thank you very much. Awesome. And thanks for coming on the show, David. Hey, yeah, anytime, anytime. Awesome, awesome. Yep, and you're more than welcome to come back on the show if you've got something else you want to promote or if you want to talk about more role-playing game stuff. Well, let's, um, let's, let's, let's talk about Call of Cthulhu sometime. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because um, I'm, I'm a big Call of Cthulhu fan. I told you the last time I think we talked that I got my copy of the original Call of Cthulhu, the box set from uh, Sandy Peterson. That's right. Oh. You did tell me that. Yeah. Very cool. You know, you know, but we should we should talk about Call of Cthulhu. We could we should also talk about Delta Green, which is like actually I, I really like Delta Green. Yeah. Um, and like and, I told that, you off mic, that's the one aspect of Cthulhu I haven't played. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really good. But but yeah, anytime you're going to do anything like that, feel free to give me a, you know, a call, give me a heads up. Um, and if you ever want to do that 4-hour adventure, I'd be more than happy to run it for you. We'll start. We'll get it done in four hours. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely keep that in mind. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, folks. Goodbye. All right, take care.
Well, thanks for joining us today, folks. I just want to remind you that we've got a live streaming monthly series called Fright Lounge in which we discuss all horror media. It's for seasoned horror fans as well as those of you who don't know if you want to get into horror. We've also got a new podcast out called The Cult Movie Lounge, another lounge, yes, in which award-winning blogger Robert Minnell and I discuss all cult movies all the time. Then, of course, there's our sister show, The East Meets the West, in which we discuss Shaw Brothers films and spaghetti western movies. All of these can be found at our website, havenpodcasts.com. You can also find our Patreon link and our Public link there if you want to help support the show. And we've got a YouTube page if you'd like to subscribe to it. It's youtube.com slash user slash UncleDeath1. And one last thing, we want to um, we want to hear your feedback. So please email us at thenisnow42 at gmail.com. And you can join in the conversation also at our Facebook Then Is Now podcast group. And Then Is Now podcast is part of the Dorkening Podcast Network. So please check out the other great shows there at the dorkeningpodcastnetwork.com. Class dismissed. Now podcast is intended for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. Sounds, music, and clips played during this podcast are the property of their copyright holders. All original content is copyright Jupiter Media. For more shows like the one you just heard, check out the Dorkening Podcast Network at thedorkening.com.